Welcome to Ag Future presented by Alltech. Join us from the 2022 Alltech One Conference as we explore opportunities within agri-food, business, and beyond. Out searching for that first job or already working and in the process of changing jobs, how can you put your best foot forward? I'm Tom Martin for the Alltech Ag Future podcast series with Hamza Khan, an instructor at Ryerson University, where he teaches courses on digital marketing and social media, and he is co-founder of Skills Camp. He's the author of Leadership Reinvented, How to Foster Empathy, Servitude, Diversity, and Innovation in the Workplace. Hamza Khan, welcome to Ag Future. Oh, my pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me, Tom. So given the, the daily bombardment of external influences in our world today, do you find that people can sometimes become disconnected from who they really are? Absolutely. There's so many different technologies to stay abreast of, changes in algorithms, trends on social media. It becomes really overwhelming. And I think what I see happening, especially with my students at Ryerson University, but also professionals, is that they start to emulate different accounts online and different public personas, thinking that that's who they are. They're trying to sort of fake it until they become it. But uh, they arrive at the conclusion inevitably that who they've become online is inconsistent with who they actually are, and they go through a bit of a crisis. I was going to say that could be unhealthy. Absolutely. And I've gone through that myself. I think in the early stages of my career, I was emulating a couple of people uh, behaving as they behaved online, thinking that this would be commensurate with the version of success that I was hoping to achieve personally and professionally only to get there and realize, hey, this isn't me. This doesn't feel true to who I actually am. So I'm in the process right now of transitioning how I present myself online. And it feels a lot better. I feel like I have a healthier relationship with social media as a result. What are some important consequences of this, of this disconnection, especially where job hunting and starting a new job are concerned? I think they would be the same as perhaps lying on your resume, if you take it back to per, uh, how people were applying for jobs before the internet and social media and digital layer became the primary way in which people apply for jobs. I think this would be akin to saying on your resume that you did things in your last job that you didn't actually do or uh, hemming up your credentials, perhaps. What ends up happening is you end up in the job if you're able to get your foot in the door and then there's a disconnect between what you promised and what you're actually delivering. And this becomes very glaring to your employer. And uh, that could lead to loss of opportunities. That could lead to resentment brewing between yourself and your manager and your coworkers. And in the worst case scenario, you getting let go from the job because you can't actually perform at the level that uh, you promised. So how do we go about shedding this cloak of inauthenticity about ourselves and get back to who we really are? I'm glad you asked that question, and this was the ethos of my talk here at uh, Alltech One in 2022. It was four words that were at the heart of my presentation, which is what I'd like to share with the listeners of the Ag Future podcast. Social media doesn't have to be overwhelming. You don't have to focus on creating content and creating this polished product, whether it's a podcast like this one, whether it's a YouTube video, whether it's a blog post. Be true to yourself and just focus on doing things and telling people those four words. Do things, tell people. The listeners of this podcast are already doing pretty impressive things. You know, I've spent the last 48 hours here in Lexington, Kentucky, talking to the ag industry, the agri-food industry, the global agri-food industry, and uh, I'm just in awe of the incredible things that are being done by the listeners of this podcast, by this community. The work that's being done is, is remarkable. You just need to document that work. Don't focus on, again, creating this polished content, just document the things you're already doing, do things, tell people. 
Just an aside, I don't think I've been around so many smart people in one place. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying from all over the world. It's I mean, incredible. I've talked to people this morning uh, from Dublin to Japan, uh, just doing some groundbreaking, cutting edge stuff. It's, it's truly impressive, truly inspiring. Well, being one who is true to themselves might seem like something that all of us should strive for, of course. But is this especially critical to the success of people who are in leadership roles? I think the stakes are the highest for uh, people in leadership roles. These are people who are responsible for shaping the culture of an organization. And, and by that, I mean things that they reward, tolerate, and punish as like the three elements of organizational culture. And if they aren't true to their values, then they can lead their companies askew. Um, there, we've seen this, especially in the last, I'd say, decade, and, and increasingly during the pandemic, the magnifying lens has been on, on leaders during the last two years how leaders reacted in the first couple of months and then in, in the months that followed during the pandemic was very telling. There's this misconception that uh, during times of crisis, leaders step up, but actually what happens is they sink back to the level of their training, preparation, character, and values ultimately. So leaders who were faking it, leaders who were saying one thing and behaving another way became very evident for everyone to see during the first couple of months of the COVID-19 pandemic. And I think that that trend has carried on. What does it mean to be a quote-unquote new leader? Yeah, what does it mean to be a new leader? Great question. So um, the, the style of leadership, I would say, that has characterized the last 100 years was very much rooted in ideas that were popularized and forged in the first and second industrial revolutions. And there's one theory in particular known as the Theory X style of management that was quite popular. It assumed that employees are lazy, that they lack intrinsic motivation, that they need to be micromanaged. And uh, I can understand there were circumstances in the first and second industrial revolution that would have led leaders to optimize for that style of management. We're talking about a heavy focus on the military context, a heavy focus on uh, rapid industrialization. But those things, they're, they're, they're not as true and they're increase, increasingly less true today, especially in the age of knowledge work, remote work, flexible work. What new leadership looks like is the opposite of that. It's theory why. It's assuming that employees can manage themselves, are intrinsically motivated, do want more things beyond uh, compensation. They're looking for purpose. They're looking for meaning. They're looking for consistency with values. And um, the last two years have made this very clear for us that a shift is happening and you're seeing this at every level. I think we're even seeing it right here at All Tech One. Uh, you know, look at the ethos of All Tech, working together for a planet of plenty. They have a, a focus on, on ACE, A-C-E, animals, consumers, and the environment. And in order to be a leader for this new era of work that we've stepped into that prioritizes sustainability, that prioritizes uh, the planet, communities, it's going to require a new leadership, as you said. And that new leadership puts people first. It puts the planet first. It puts communities first. And it prioritizes those things over profit. Sincerity is always the best alternative, isn't it? Absolutely. Well, I, I know that you once raised eyebrows with a, with a TEDx talk. Yes. It was titled, Stop Managing, Start Leading. Absolutely. Some came away inspired and validated. Others were kind of insulted. Tell us about that experience. Wow. Um, I feel like I now have the permission space to recount this story. The day after I delivered that TEDx talk, which was very well received by my peers, by people within my generation, so Gen Y, but also uh, 
leaders from from older generations, Gen X and boomers even, that uh, were keen on shifting their leadership perspective. What happened the very next day after delivering that talk, I got summoned to my boss's office and I got reamed out. Uh, he said, I can't believe you did this. You should have run this by me. This is embarrassing. I need you to go and do an apology tour to every one of my peers. This is his words. Every one of my peers who was insulted by this message because you're essentially cre- creating, um, you know, sparking a bit of a revolution at the organization that I was working at at the time. And uh, I'm glad I didn't apologize because here we are five years later and this talk has just blown up. I mean, it's taken a while for the message to catch up and synchronize with the zeitgeist. And I get messages every single day from people who are telling me, thank you so much for saying that. You've put in words what I've been feeling and especially during the last two years when, again, thinking back to what I said earlier, leaders sink to the level of their training, preparation and values they were able to learn during the duress of the pandemic that their leaders were actually prioritizing profits and prioritizing the mission over their needs, not seeing them as employees, not seeing them as people first. Um, and I'm, there, there was a time, Tom, where, where I was starting to lose faith in the message that I delivered back in 2015, 2016. But now I, I believe in it more than I did back then. I think it... Uh now perfectly uh, fits with the ethos that we're functioning. And maybe the pandemic has also softened our views of management and leadership to the point where uh, there is, has reintroduced a sense of humanity. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Uh, and so in keeping with that, how important is a healthy sense of empathy? Oh, my goodness. It's one of my core values. It's a value that I recommend every leader listening to this or people on the leadership track to embody. Lead with empathy. Empathy is the ability to see with someone else's eyes, feel with their heart, to stand in their shoes, to assume another's perspective. And radical empathy takes it a step further and uh, develops attunement and understanding and perhaps even compassion with people who disagree with you. That is more important now more than ever because, um, you know, I, I love to quote, the former chairman and CEO of General Electric, Jack Welch, which is, by the way, the only company from the 1917 fortune list that is still on the list today, let alone even in existence as a company from, the, from back then. And he said, if the rate of change on the outside of the organization exceeds the rate of change on the inside, the end is near. So I'll say that one more time. If the rate of change on the outside of an organization exceeds the rate of change on the inside, the end is near. And the only way for a leader to develop true harmony, true attunement with changes on the outside and changes on the inside is by listening with an open heart, by asking the difficult questions. I mean, as a leader, as a, as a founder of, of a few companies and as a leader of, of, of a company now, I'm sometimes afraid to ask tough questions. I'm sometimes afraid to hear feedback. And that's, uh, you know, my, my, my brain, my, my primitive brain, my, li- my, my lizard brain, if you will, uh, trying to protect myself trying to protect me from the negative feelings that'll come from asking questions like what's working, what's not working, what could I be doing differently? How do you feel at this organization? But um, that which we most need to find is often where we're least willing to look. So empathy will really help you to do that in an honest, humble, and human way. Following up on that, it would seem to me that it would make sense to also take a a healthy look at our own pride and ego Mm -hmm. in these situations. Mm -hmm. Um. These sounds sound like the characteristics of what we call a servant leader. 
Is, is that appropriate? Absolutely. Servant leader. And, and I understand that that, uh, that term can be quite problematic for some, so for, for some listeners. You know, I have received criticism about that, but that's what it's described as in the literature. Uh, and it does have its roots in, in, in uh, the Christian faith and the Christian tradition. But the idea of servant leadership is a beautiful one. And if I can rephrase that for some listeners over here, it's simply this, leading from behind not being this top-down, aggressive, authoritarian leader, but actually stepping behind and encouraging the people in your employ to level up. The best, one of the best pieces of advice I ever received in my career was, uh, and, and this is leadership advice in hindsight, was from Alan Grant. Uh, shout out to Alan if you're listening to this. He said to me on my first day of my job, he said, Hamza, your job is to write yourself out of a job. Just imagine that. On my very first day of a job, I'm like, so, sir, what are we supposed to do here? And he said, uh, write yourself out of a job. And I scratched my head and I said, what do you mean by that? And he said, well, if you do that correctly, you will document processes, you will create the succession plans, you will train the people around you sufficiently to run the organization without you. And if you do that, the consequence won't be that you'll be let go. You'll actually be given more responsibility to do the same thing for other parts of the organization. I didn't understand him at first, but I trusted him. And uh, I wholeheartedly stand by that. That's my approach now with any organization that I'm fortunate to lead, which is I make people around me better than I am. I don't want to be the smartest person in the room. I don't want to be the most capable person in the room. I want to be the harmonizer. I want to be the conductor. I want to see the connections between seemingly disparate parts, bring it together, and then make it better than anything that I can contribute to the organization. And that's the essence of servant leadership. It's making people around you better in every way than you are. Isn't that really, in the end, frankly, more fun and satisfying? Deeply more fun, deeply more satisfying, and uh, it requires a paradigm shift. And if there's any leaders listening to this right now who are open to the messages that Tom and I are talking about here, uh, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid because there's a good chance if you think that putting the needs of the people before the needs of the company uh, is a bad idea, I hate to break it to you, but you might be trapped in a fear cycle. You might be trapped in a cycle of thinking and doing and, and ways of being that predate you. It didn't start with you. Again, these are remnants of the first and second industrial revolution, a very different context, a time when we were playing a zero-sum game, but we're not playing a zero-sum game anymore. And my experience here at Alltech has really cemented that for me. Working together for a planet of plenty that presupposes so many different things, working together, collaboration for a planet, working for something greater than yourself that has a wider time scale than you, and plenty. This is abundance. This is sustainability. This is regeneration. The world we're moving into is, is, a, is a world that's very different than the one that we've been optimized for. And it comes back to your point, Tom, about humility. It comes back to your point about, you know, subduing your ego that you, that you alluded to earlier. I've had to make this transition myself. I grew up at a time when, you know, uh, let me be frank. I mean, I, the, the things that I was taught about management early in my career just wouldn't fly today. You know, I was taught, and I won't say which organization, I was, I was taught by one of my leaders how to, get, and this is, this is going to sound terrible, and I apologize if this triggers anybody, but I was, I was taught a technique for how to give employees rope to hang themselves, right? Why, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this in a work environment? Why, why, why are we being taught these Machiavellian sadistic techniques to get rid of people? Whereas what we should be doing is asking, how can we help people? How can we elevate people? How can we raise them up and build them up? So I'm really glad that the pandemic, the portal opened up by the pandemic, has closed on 
the types of leaders who subscribe to the theory X style of management who might have optimized their style to become what's known in the literature as a dark triad leader. This is a narcissistic, Machiavellian, and psychopathic leader. I think the, uh, the floor below them is, is, is getting smaller. The essence we're talking about here in that uh, employer-employee relationship and, and environment is trust. 100%. So once you're satisfied that you have been honest with yourself about your character and your personality, mm -hmm. how important is it to make a firm commitment to always stick to being that person going forward? And is that – how difficult is it? It's very important to do, um, but it's also very difficult to do. And you will stumble and you will make mistakes. I can't tell you how many times I've had to revise my personal values uh, while trying to navigate an organization. You know, I would start an organization and it would have, you know, uh, value A, B, C, D. But then halfway into running the company, I'd realize, hey, this is actually inconsistent with who I am and, you know, where this company should be going. And so in front of the staff, I would have to say, well, I've been going through a bit of a rediscovery process. I'm trying to become better as an individual. And an organization is a collective it is a manifestation of the shared values of everyone in the organization, usually influenced by the leader. So I've accepted that it's a, it's a messy job. Um, it's, it's an evolving job. But I take solace in the idea that you, you can't always make the right decision, but you can make a decision and then make it right. So give yourself permission to figure this out as you go. We're all figuring it, we're all figuring it out as we go. Well, we're in the era of remote work now, yes, sir. thanks to the pandemic. Do you think working from home, as so many are now, might be having the effect of helping us shed inauthentic behavior and actually change the ways we present ourselves? I think so. One of the things I was really delighted by during this transition, a silver lining throughout the pandemic, I suppose, is that uh, how we build trust in an organization came back down to the fundamentals. I think Office centricity created a system or perpetuated a status quo, which is a continuous decision to reward people based on things, perhaps superficial things in hindsight, like, uh, you know, their timeliness in the office, showing up at a certain time, making themselves available and, you know, uh, the optics of appearing to be busy um, and then the, the, the serendipitous connections that they would have just by virtue of their proximity to different leaders in an organization. Whereas real trust is built up, and, and, and the evidence supports this time and again, real trust is built up in an organization by saying you're going to do something and then actually doing it on time and under budget. And uh, what the pandemic has allowed people to do in, in taking a step back and, and working remotely is put the emphasis back on the work, back on the results, and less on the superfluous optics, the superficial optics, I should say, rather. Um, so that was very, very encouraging for me to see. And I hope that that in organizations has, has sort of reset expectations from the leadership and has made people feel like they don't actually have to pretend to be productive. They can just be productive and that can be uh, the truest developer of, of trust in an organization. Hamza Khan, instructor at Ryerson University and author of Leadership Reinvented, How to Foster Empathy, Servitude, Diversity, and Innovation in the Workplace. Thank you so much for spending time with us. My pleasure, Tom, and, and thank you. Uh, these were excellent questions. It was, it was a real honor to, to be on this podcast. Well, I really enjoyed it. For the Alltech Ag Future podcast series, I'm Tom Martin. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to Ag Future wherever you listen to podcasts.